My name is Jeremy Devins, and welcome to the Yoga Teacher Training Podcast. Today is episode four, A New Approach to Yoga, and this is part one of a two-part series. So it's about a month away from my first online teacher training launching, and I am super excited, and I am creating a lot of content for this and putting together a lot of pieces. One of those pieces is towards the beginning, and it's sort of the framework of the teacher training, but this applies to anybody, anywhere in your practice. So if you uh, are a teacher now, or if you're thinking about being a teacher, or if you're a student, this will give you some perspective and maybe a structure that you can follow to continue to improve your practice, to continue to learn, to continue to deepen your practice, and then share that with other people. So I'll get into what all that means and how it could look for you uh, in just a moment. But I'm super excited about my teacher training and uh, also kind of nervous. And this is the first time I've created something this big, this much online. Uh, I've been a part of a lot of teacher trainings and I've gotten to work with my mentors. And I love that and I'm super honored for that. But I've known from the beginning when I first did my first yoga class over 10 years ago, Uh, And that teacher that I really liked, she moved away and I couldn't follow her anymore and I couldn't do that practice that I really liked. And I I always said, like, if she had a some sort of way to follow her online or practice online, I would definitely keep practicing every day with this person because I I really resonated. Uh, But I did end up finding other great teachers and I think that's good. But since then, it's been a mission of mine. And once I finished my first teacher training, I knew I wanted to create resources like that. So anybody, anywhere could practice anytime. And there's no barrier as far as distance or reaching people. And I think right now the internet and technology has just caught up with making that possible where we can stream video very quickly in most uh, urban settings. And the content, uh, the, the recent developments in understanding yoga and anatomy and kinesiology And uh, there's been so much that has come out in recent years that I think is so important uh, and so helpful to have a resource where you can learn that visually and online. So I'm really grateful to get to create that and uh, create a setting, an online classroom environment that, uh, that sort of encourages repeated viewing and repeated listening. Because that's how I learned best, and that's what I ultimately ended up learning how to teach yoga was by finding people online and then repeatedly watching those classes and uh, getting their phrasing in my head so I could remember it. And after a while, it just was second nature. But just going to drop in classes, it was a lot harder to pick it up, at least for me. So maybe other people are like that, and I think that it's a really cool thing to be able to learn online. So I'm excited to get to create it and hopefully it resonates with people the way that online trainings have resonated with me. Today, I want to talk about the first part of this new approach to yoga, which is having a standard, some sort of competencies, what I call the 10 core competencies of teaching yoga. So without this, before this sort of concept came to me, uh, understanding yoga is really, I guess there's this part, I guess there's that part, and it kind of fits together with this, and it's all kind of interwoven, and I have to try to make sense of it all. I never really found a system that really puts it all together. 
So there's the eight limbs of yoga. So this is one of the parts of the yoga sutras. And that includes aspects of meditation and ethics and in a small degree to compared to what it is today, asana is included in there, but this is 2000 years ago before asana was such a major part of modern yoga practice like it is now. Uh, but the eight limbs of yoga sutras only cover so much of the practice. It says nothing about anatomy as far as being a teacher. It says nothing about being a teacher. It demonstrates how to be a good teacher in a way by how it conveys information but nothing about cueing or sequencing or mirroring or remembering students' names, nothing about the business of yoga, uh, nothing about the history of yoga. It's, it's one piece of history, but it is, there's nothing about understanding the history. And how does this all fit together? So I've had to kind of figure it out on my own. And I've realized that there are some ways to look at things where we can Put it all together and have a picture, a framework, an understanding that enhances our ability to study yoga, or enhances our ability to deepen the practice, and enhances our ability to teach it and share it with others. So that's the first part of, or that's really the whole approach to yoga that I'm talking about with the first and second part put together. But the first part of that is just evaluating where you're at. So just like a GPS, you've got to know where you're starting and where you're going, and then you can take a path. And a lot of my understanding and what a lot of teachers have said about yoga in the past is it's about the path, it's about the journey and not the destination. Well, I mean, you can just wander aimlessly around and do things that are interesting in the moment, and that's fine. It's totally doable. You can do that. Uh, and you can just go to drop-in classes. You can take occasional workshops that interest you. Totally fine. Nothing wrong with that at all. For me, in my mind at least, I like to understand how it all fits together. And I like to make connections. And I like to make it more like a game where it's thinking about how can I improve this area. And okay, I've spent a lot of time for me, uh, and personally, I've spent a lot of time in the last couple of years just studying anatomy because that was a major gap in my knowledge. But now I feel very full on that information of anatomy and have been teaching a lot of workshops about it and want to share that and give that information back and that experience back so other people can learn it. And now there's other things I want to learn. So I haven't spent as much time in recent years studying the history of yoga. So that's where I'm focusing you know, personally for myself right now. And it's always changing. And if I could just distill everything down, everything that goes into understanding yoga and teaching yoga into just a few categories so that I can know, okay, I've just spent a lot of time on anatomy. Now, what else would be a good idea to focus on? Because if I just focus on anatomy solely at the expense of everything else, uh, that I'm going to become a little bit one-sided as a teacher and lose some of the other aspects that are so interesting to me. At least for me, I like to be a very well-rounded practitioner and teacher. I, I love to have a lot of depth on each topic and not just any one topic. And you might be different. You might like just want to focus on meditation or just want to focus on advanced postures. That's totally fine too. But at least having this understanding and the system of how it all connects, you can see that that is a choice you're making and not just something you're falling into. As I've seen a lot of teachers over the years who become sort of disenchanted or disillusioned with the practice and they feel they've sort of plateaued or they've done it all 
or there's just there's nothing else to learn like I've been doing this yoga thing for 10 years and uh, I'm just kind of tired of just doing postures over and over again well that's just one part of the practice that's just asana what about you know meditation what about pranayama and energy management there's vast vast depths of things to study in all these categories so what I did is I wrote down everything I could think about of yoga from again like just as simple as being a teacher and remembering your students names to managing your business to understanding uh, the taxes as a teacher to uh, understanding the origins of yoga what were the first texts like what was the actual first written text of yoga and what was it talking about and what did it mean in that context and all these sort of aspects so all everything i can think about that goes into a yoga practice and teaching yoga and then i just started categorizing them and putting them together so things like knowing students names and knowing how to cue could both fall under teaching skills and what else could fall under teaching skills so there's sequencing there's uh, understanding how to uh, teach adaptive yoga to like say somebody with a knee injury versus somebody who's an athlete so in that way i just went through every category and just put them all together and i got to the point where i couldn't reduce it anymore and that's where i ended up with 10 core competencies and i don't feel like i could add any more either anything else i could think of would fit into one of those 10 categories so i think it's a pretty airtight system and of course i'm open to changing it and evolving it but to me this really speaks to my own experience and what i've observed over the many years i've been practicing so this is what i've created and it's called the 10 core competencies of teaching yoga you can do a free test a self-assessment that takes about two to five minutes over at quietmind.yoga slash core 10 c-o-r-e one zero quietmind.yoga slash core 10 So you can take this free self-assessment and see where you stand. So you might find that maybe your anatomy knowledge is at like a two or three, but your asana knowledge and experience and confidence is at like a nine or 10. Totally fine, right? None of this is about judging or saying anything's wrong. It's about seeing where you're at in your phases of yoga. So this is what I'll talk about next week. I just want to give you a real brief summary of it right now. So... The way I see it and have established and and noticed and observed over the years is that there's three phases of teaching yoga. The first is that you study something and you study the fundamentals and you get it and you you sort of get it intellectually and you get where you're looking, you get the roadmap. So this is uh, understanding. And then second phase is deepening your understanding, deepening your practice, putting in the time to develop your skills to myelinate your brain to build neuromuscular pathways where you're able to for example for me uh, my upper back muscles i could not get the mind muscle connection to fire for a long time so i would do things like locust and think i was feeling my back or in the gym do things like rows and think i was maybe feeling my back but compared to everything else like it was very very much not activating like i could definitely fully activate for for me like my biceps or my glutes or quads uh, but the back was not turning on and that took years of really starting to notice it and and then starting to do things to start to bring more attention to it 
So that mind-muscle connection, that deepening of my practice as far as that aspect was neglected for many years because I was just going to drop in classes and doing a lot of vinyasa yoga. And in vinyasa yoga, you very rarely do anything to activate the back. You do a lot of lunges, a lot of things like chaturanga, a lot of pushing motions, a lot of hip extension kind of motions. So I was doing a lot of things on the front of the body, pushing and stretching in the front of the body, but very little sort of pulling action. So I wasn't getting that mind-muscle connection. So these are the sort of things like you might not even know. Like you, I didn't even know that I didn't know that. And that's okay. All right, so that's where self-assessment can be. Uh, you know, it's like, of course, you're not going to know perfectly if you're a, a zero or a five or a 10, but you do your best to kind of evaluate where you think you might be at. And if you think there is a lot of stuff that you know that you don't know, then you have a lower score. But starting there is like starting with the GPS of starting where you're at. You've got to start with where you're at and take away any judgment or expectations. Even if you've been practicing for decades and you have a low score in one area, it just means that you focused more on other areas and you've developed a lot of skill in that area, but not as much in this other area. And again, if that's what you want, then that's totally fine. So you don't have to be a well-rounded teacher or practitioner. But if you want to be, this can kind of give you a sense of how to be. So again, those three phases of teaching yoga, the first one is you study it and you learn these things. The second phase is you deepen your practice and you build the mind-muscle connection and you build the myelination in your brain where you remember these things and get it in your bones. And then the third phase is now you, you've got it, it's in you, and you, you can teach it without even thinking about it, and now you can share it with other people. So this is about giving it back. And in a lot of ways, I feel like I haven't fully learned something until I've taught it and given it back. And I have to articulate what it is I've learned and how it all fits together and how to make sense of it. Put it into words and an experience for someone else. And then I feel like I've really got it. So that's the third phase. And that's three phases. And then after that, once I've given it away, like, for example, with me in anatomy, like I've, I've spent a lot of time over the many last few years learning things and now sharing, I've deepened my practice and now I'm sharing those things. And as I've done a, quite a few of these workshops now, I, I'm feeling like uh, ready to learn something else. So it's like, okay, I've put that out into the world. I've kind of uh, codified what I've learned and articulated it. And now what's next? What else can I learn about anatomy? Now I can start to get into that, uh, that deeper stuff that has eluded me in the past of understanding like joint mechanics and, and, and deeper things. And, and then for me, ultimately, like how can I translate into that, that into something very simple and practical that other people can benefit from? But it's got to start, like if I start from that aspect of like, okay, what can I teach people next? But I don't have it in my bones and I haven't, or haven't uh, practiced it and deepened my practice of it, uh, it's going to be weak and ineffective. Like I'm not going to be able to uh, teach it with someone else, teach it to someone else because I haven't really learned it. So that's my perspective on those three phases of teaching yoga, which I'll go into more next week and get a lot more in depth on that but just to give you an overview of this whole sort of approach that I'm teaching. Uh, so what are the 10 core competencies and how can you evaluate yourself and why did I end up with these 10? So let's look at that. So first I'm just going to say what they are and then I'll go into more depth in a minute. 
So again, phase one, we're just learning the fundamentals. Phase two, we'll go deeper. So uh, anatomy, apprenticeship, asana, the business of yoga. These are all just alphabetical. Energetic anatomy, meditation and mindfulness, teaching skills, Vedic sciences, yoga history, and yoga philosophy. All right, so anatomy, it's about understanding the systems of the body, how they all fit together. On one level, you might have the very basics, understanding you know, how to uh, stack the bones or what the major muscles are, how to avoid some basic injuries. But beyond that, learning things like anterior, posterior pelvic tilt, how that shows up in back bends and forward folds, internal, external rotation of the shoulder. Uh, you can start to get real geeking out with this stuff. You could spend years learning anatomy and I already have, and I feel like I've still got plenty more to learn as always, but this is uh, definitely a key area, right? You can't break this out. You can't put this into any other area. You can't really add on to this. Anatomy is essential to understanding yoga practice, but traditionally, 2000 years ago, there wasn't really any, any anatomy. You just sit. And if you couldn't sit the way the pose suggested, then you needed to adjust. And if you got injured, that was your own body's fault and you'd have to learn to adapt. And that's some schools of thought, but not mine. Uh, I think that you've got to understand your body and what works best for you. And uh, maybe you've had injuries or whatever in the past. Understanding anatomy will help you know how to work with that. And if you didn't understand the posterior pelvic tilt or any of the stuff I said there, right? So then you might have a lower score in this and you might want to do some more study in anatomy. Second area is apprenticeship, having a relationship with an experienced teacher who can help you achieve similar results to them, help you avoid mistakes, and keep you focused and intentional on your path. You definitely want somebody who's been there before, somebody who's gone through all these areas, who has an understanding of these 10 different areas, who has some experience of going through those cycles of being a student to being a teacher. Uh, and you don't want just like a peer. You don't want to just be learning from a peer who's maybe just a year ahead of you. You want somebody who's seasoned because this stuff takes years to really learn and embody. It's a slow process, uh, and I think that's what we all want, though. I mean, this we wouldn't have it any other way. At least for me, I love having something that takes a long time to develop skill in. It's, it's fun and engaging and challenging. Uh, an apprentice, uh, some sort of apprenticeship or some sort of mentorship, a teacher will help you uh, stay on your path when you're going through that. And I've had so many times where I've reached out to my mentor and just just for like one sentence of reassurance or direction, uh, and that can mean the world to me when I'm in those sort of moments of doubt or, or worry or insecurity. Uh, it's been very, very important for my own practice. Asana, the next area, of course, understanding postures, intermediate, advanced postures, beginner's postures, when to teach certain ones, how to sequence them together, how to teach them, how to modify, how to adjust. There's a lot that goes into a posture. And there's a lot of misunderstandings and misinformation about posture. So how do you weed through that? Uh, and do you feel like you kind of know what you're doing? You just If you just follow what the teacher says, or do you feel like you could just roll out a mat anywhere, anytime and start moving your body and feel confident moving from pose to pose. So that's kind of how you how to evaluate myself in that area. Uh, the business of yoga, and this is specific to teachers, uh, but 
if you uh, are just a practitioner, you can still just kind of, you can skip this one, you know, it's not that important to you. But if you're a teacher or want to be a teacher, understanding the marketing, the finances, growing your business, uh, being an independent contractor, which most teachers are, or an employee and understanding the legalities of that, understanding the social context of marketing yoga and uh, where it's at right now and uh, how the business is booming and uh, how to stay authentic if if you're like me and are in, in the marketplace. And the way I think of it as like you have a little booth if you're a yoga teacher uh, and having a business and trying to make a living doing it, maybe part-time or full-time. It's like you've got a little booth set up in the world and you're inviting people to come to your booth and check out what you've got. All right, so it doesn't have to be salesy or gimmicky or inauthentic. It's just, hey, everybody, here's my little yoga booth. This is what I do over here. If you like it, come check it out. If you don't like it, then there's plenty of other stuff you can do. So it doesn't have to be anything, you know, too sleazy or, or complicated, uh, but unfortunately there is a lot of that sort of marketing out there. And the cool thing about yoga is we're so in tune to our bodies and our intuition that we can usually spot that stuff pretty quickly and uh, stay authentic to ourselves. So the next area is energetic anatomy. And this is understanding things like the Prakriti and uh, Purusha, understanding the Gunas, the Koshas, Prana, the Chakras, fascia, the nadis. These are all energetic things. These are not physical, tangible things that you can put on a scale and measure yet, maybe. But if you had no idea what I was just talking about, then you'd probably have a low score in energetic anatomy and you'd want to deepen that. All right, and this category couldn't fit anywhere else. Like This is its own thing. This is a whole world, a whole system of energy and understanding how it works and how it moves through us. So fascinating stuff. And uh, Again, if you if you have a good understanding of that, you'd have a higher score. If you don't, uh, then you know understanding things like the Vedas and the Upanishads. They talk a lot about this stuff. Understanding Ayurveda is a good way to learn this stuff. And I'll talk about resources of how you can deepen your knowledge of this at the end. But next topic is meditation and mindfulness. This is about knowing common forms of meditation, their purpose, how to apply mindfulness to your day to day life and what meditation really is. A lot of people think it's like, I've got to stop my thoughts. Of course, that's not true. That's not what it's about at all. That's, well, I'm not going to say what it is, but <laughs> essentially yoga is meditation. Uh, anything that we do that uh, brings us into the present moment is meditation. But there's so much more I could say that it's just like a huge topic. But essentially, you know, if you have a, few, a good understanding of it, you have a higher score. If you feel like, I can't meditate, I can't sit down, my mind won't shut up. You know, even though that's not quite the goal, uh, you could say that's still a lower score and you'd want to develop those skills and, and learn more about that. Teaching skills is the next area. This is about knowing how to hold space for others and create an, an, creating an inclusive environment for others non-judgmental space for people to have their process and experience and some people are colder about that some people are warmer about that and some people you just you know here's the yoga practice and you're going to do it and the other people are you know uh what do you need uh check in like for me i always check in at the beginning of every class and ask people how they're doing so i know what they're there for and how can i can best hold space for them uh, and that's that is one way to teach and it's not the only way but i find that to be very effective and helpful for people knowing how to cue poses 
to say this goes here and why and when to inhale, when to exhale. It's so common to see people to say, uh, inhale, step your right foot forward, exhale, do this, inhale, do that. And then it's just like, when am I actually going to breathe in this cueing that you're giving me? So knowing how to do that, to cue in a way that people can actually breathe and follow along and know what you're saying. Uh, I like to think of it as, could you teach this to a blind person? Would they be able to follow along? Knowing how to sequence, put things together, to adapt yoga to be therapeutic and supportive to a diverse range of needs and experience. Okay, yoga is not physical therapy, but it's pretty damn close in my opinion. So knowing how you're working with bodies and if they come in with injuries and, uh, and you just tell them to do something that's going to exacerbate the injury without being mindful of that, I don't think that's a good skill to have. So we want to be able to understand how to adapt and adjust with those things. Next, we have the Vedic sciences. So this is understanding Ayurveda, Vedic astrology. Veda means wisdom. These are the oldest written texts in human civilization that we have. And they date back at least to 1700 BCE, possibly further back. But a lot of yoga wisdom comes from the Vedas and the Vedic sciences. There's a lot of overlap. So understanding how the Vedas and the Upanishads, which are considered part, in some, in some cases, considered part of the Vedas that are at the root of yoga. So understanding what they taught. Uh, there's a lot in there about Ayurveda, Vedic astrology, health, and the energetic anatomy and what the meaning of life is, why we're here. And so there's, there's a whole world of depth in, in just the Vedic sciences, and that doesn't quite fit into yoga history or philosophy. Uh, those, are, those are sort of its own category. Yoga history is the next area, and that's about knowing the common forms of yoga. So in the Vedas and the history of yoga, there's talk about bhakti yoga and jnana yoga. And there wasn't this asana focus like we have now. And then there's the tantric path. And how does that fit into yoga history? What are the source texts? What is the Hatha Yoga Pradipika? And these common, like I didn't learn this until recently, but uh, it's actually sort of a culmination, a compilation of a bunch of texts that predate that. And there's, there's a lot of sort of, <laughs> there's a lot of rabbit holes you can go down, a lot of pathways you can go down in understanding yoga history and some different opinions. But understanding what those are and at least having your own opinion and understanding of, of what this is and understanding the major lineages of yoga. There, I've met many people over the years who have just been in one lineage, like somebody who, who just did Bikram yoga and thought that was yoga. That was the only yoga she'd ever done for many years. And then she went to a vinyasa class and was like, what is this? Like, what? <laughs> where has this been? And what is this thing? Uh, so there's, there's so many different lineages of yoga. And sometimes we can sort of think that our lineages or our path or our way of practicing is the best or the only one or the right one. But it's important if you're going to understand yoga to understand the context of all of them because they all have a place and they've all reached many, many people and helped them in many significant ways. But also understanding the sort of recent revelations in the yoga history of what's coming out about different teachers and their, uh, you know, there's some controversy there. So just understanding that in the context of that. So just having things in perspective. 
is very important, I think, to understanding the context and role of yoga in your own practice as a teacher, and especially if you're teaching it, you want to understand the real big scope of things and it's yoga's place in society as well and how it's evolving and how it's always evolving. Not to uh, doga or goga, <laughs> not to say anything bad about those, but uh, you know that, that's a, that would be considered more like a trend and you want to understand what's a trend and what's actually a trajectory and what's, you know, where's yoga actually going and, and how is it getting there. And uh, is, is this, are these trends going to stick around or are they going to kind of fade out? Having a yoga mat was a trend at one point. There was a time where, you know, just 20-something years ago where you didn't have a yoga mat. And that trend stuck on. And so understanding all that is part of yoga history. The last area is yoga philosophy. So this is understanding the teachings of the Yoga Sutra, which are really, it's a very much a philosophical text. The Bhagavad Gita, very much a philosophical text that teaches about uh, applied yoga. What is Samkhya philosophy? Samkhya means enumeration, but how does that fit into yoga? And why do we have eight limbs of yoga and five kleshas and five koshas and three gunas and uh, three doshas? There, there's so many uh, enumerations in yoga, and that's a huge part of the practice. And that's why I think this fits, this 10 core competencies is a natural evolution of that. To look at where we're at today and say, okay, what is the landscape of yoga and what are all the pieces? Uh, so that's really an approach like Samkhya philosophy. So understanding things like avidya and dual and non-dual teachings and how yoga applies these philosophies. That's all in the yoga philosophy area. So you would rate yourself in that area. And, and again, so how do you, now that you've got this understanding, how do you use it? So say you go to the link to that uh, test, quietmind.yoga slash core 10. You take the test. And you get an understanding, okay, this is where I'm at. I've got the GPS open. It says, here's my current location. I've got a lot of understanding of asana, but very little understanding of history. A lot of understanding of energetic anatomy, but low understanding of physical anatomy. So all that is just where you're at. And nothing wrong with it, no judgment. Okay, this is where we're starting. Where would you like to go? So that's the next question. And you put that in the GPS. Or you put your destination in there, and then it gives you a path, and you follow that path. All right, so in my estimation, from my experience, that path is the three phases of teaching yoga that I'll share in the next episode. But what you can do today is essentially you do that test, and it'll give you a result. So if you've got a low score, like 0 to 3 in, a, in an area, then you're in phase one. You're in the study of the fundamentals phase. So if I'm in a zero to three in anatomy, I'm going to start to study the fundamentals. Okay, what's a good anatomy book? Who's a good anatomy teacher I can find? Uh, what's What are some good anatomy YouTube videos I can watch? What do I need to do to, to learn some fundamentals of anatomy that are lacking in my knowledge? If you scored four to six on an area, you're in the mid-range. So that's phase two, about deepening your practice and study. So let's say you've learned some of the fundamentals of anatomy, you understand biomechanics, you understand like uh, rotational movements, uh, the spinal movements, how many vertebrae are in the spine, how they move, flexion, extension, some of these basic concepts. And now you deepen your practice of it. So you go like, okay, let's see how I can work with uh, uh, internal external rotation in my shoulders, in down dog, and hands and knees, and lunges. 
Like, how does it play into all these different postures? And how can how does it play into my day-to-day life? Like, when I'm driving, are my arms internally, externally rotated? When I'm typing, is my wrist in flexion because of the angle of my keyboard? And is that going to likely produce stress over time and possibly injuries? Yes. <laughs> so, so you deepen your practice and you apply these things. And that's phase two. If you're a 7 to 10, again, using the anatomy, if you're like a 7 to 10 in anatomy, you've, you've, everything I just said, you've embodied in some way. Like, you don't even think about it. You just drive in a way that's anatomically safe and optimal for your body. And there's things you're not even thinking about. It's like unconscious competency, right? So we have, if, you, if you're familiar with that, that quad, four quadrant grid of competency, then you know what I'm talking about. I don't need to get into that now, but you've got it. You've just got it in your bones. You've got it myelinated in your brain. Uh, you've got the mind-muscle connection. So if I were to say, uh, you know, activate your forearms and contract your forearms, you can feel it. You can fully feel them turn on and say turn them off and stretch them. You can fully turn them off and lengthen those muscle fibers. Just like I learned with my upper back, right? So learning this with all the different parts of the body, so you're starting to develop that mind-muscle connection. You're at phase three. You're at the phase of sharing what you've learned. So now you've got it. Now you got to give it away. So that's the way to keep it. You, you want to keep something. If you want to uh, really have it, then you've got to give it away. And you, you share it with someone else. Now this doesn't mean you just start... Uh, you know, nagging your partner about their posture and and correcting them. Nobody wants that. You find people who are willing and want to learn from you uh, and share it with them, not just anybody. Uh, so that is kind of important. And you might write blogs. You might have a YouTube channel. You might make videos. You might teach classes. You might teach little workshops. Whatever it is, just sharing it in some way. Now, if you're not a teacher at all, if you're not interested in that, then I'm not sure why you're listening to the podcast. Maybe you just want to practice. That's totally fine. But uh, you you can embody this stuff. And one of the best ways to really share what you've learned is just to be a healing and loving presence for others without telling them how to do it, without telling them anything. For example, right, if you have somebody who's sick or uh, needs support or just needs someone to listen, there's no better way I can think of to apply what you've learned in your yoga practice than to be with someone else without judgment, without needing to fix them or change them. Because you've learned how to do that for yourself. Now, here's the thing. Is that all this stuff contrary to that? Because part of the goal of yoga is learning how to be with yourself without needing to force something or change something. Well, that's a sort of modern approach. Honestly, like really, the the definition of hatha is force. It's not sun and moon. That's a modern adaptation of it. That is true, but really the original definition of hatha is force. So doing yoga is about enumeration, samkhya philosophy, studying our practice, understanding where it all fits together. And we can have both. We can also have non-judgment. Just because we are enumerating things, just because we're using force, because we're uh, transforming our bodies, and yoga is a very much a transformational process, uh, doesn't mean that we can't also have compassion and patience and kindness and non-judgment and equanimity. That's also all of that stuff. There is no separation. There is no leaving things out. That's all part of yoga practice. So then we have the ability to bring skill into action, another definition of yoga, skill and action. 
so that when we are working with somebody who needs our attention and support, we're fully with them, just like we're fully with ourselves in our yoga practice, and we're not judging them, just like we're not judging ourselves in our yoga practice. So that's how you can apply phase three if you're not an actual yoga teacher of classes or content or one-to-one -one sessions. You can be with people, you can be in your job, you can be with your kids, your family, in a way that you are living your yoga practice. You are being a healing presence. You are being compassion and kindness and non-judgment and a safe, welcoming presence. So I hope you found this helpful. Again, you can get this quiz at quietmind.yoga slash core10, C-O-R-E-1-0, and see where you're at. So you put this information in your GPS. This is where you're starting. You've got maybe a high score here, low score there. Whatever it is, you've got at least now an understanding of it and how it all fits together. And it's not all spread out and random and dissipated and like, maybe I'm doing this, maybe I should just keep going to random classes. Now you've got an understanding of where you're at. And from there, it becomes a lot easier to know where you want to go. And we'll talk all about that in next week's episode about the three phases of teaching yoga, which again, I've already brushed on quite a bit here, but we're gonna go in much more depth and understand how you can apply it and what it looks like for you. So thank you for listening and I hope you enjoy this podcast. Leave a review in Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen, share this with a friend and have a great week. Look forward to sharing more with you next episode.